Hello, I'm Bentley. And I'm Samuel. And this is the Review Podcast, which people have been very kind to say. It really just sounds like you guys all the time. Like, yeah, we're podcasting all the time. We just happen to be recording it some of the time. <laughs> so we thought <laughs> we would. <laughs> so we've been podcasting today on the road really since 8 o'clock. Yeah. We, we're driving nine hours to see friends over Labor Day. Uh, this is a get-together that we've had every year since 2002. The children have grown up together, and I enjoyed it back in the day because you were the giant among the little people. I yeah. still remember you like being the D&D master. Yeah, for these young I sent nerds. a photo. I sent a photo recently to one of my friends from the Camp Kimke that also coincided with one of the Harvard reunions. Nice. And it's just a picture of me being surrounded by all these little four, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds <laughs> who are just crowding around me because I'm playing magic with like my brother. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like, it's been and, great stuff, and I've always enjoyed it because it coincides with. Your birthday. It is. Happy twenty fifth birthday. Uh, September first, twenty seventeen. I am now twenty five years of age. You're not a little person anymore. I haven't been a little person for a long time. <laughs> um, All right. So if we're gonna just do like road trip podcast, this is what it's like to hang with us, and it's your birthday. I'm gonna let you pick the topic. What do you wanna? Star Wars. Really? Yeah, it's just Star Wars. Well, <laughs> that is most of what we've been talking about. But, like, it's, it's <laughs> like, we don't drift too far from home base, folks. Like, we just, these are all secondary topics to Star Wars. You know, and, and let me bring up something that I did say, like, in hour three of our road trip. You are so lucky to be living in this place and time, because after... You know, Return of the Jedi came out. I didn't get any of this stuff. Right? Yeah, it you had the over. two Ewoks movies. I, I had two Ewoks movies and Droids, the Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that's all we got. It I was like... not this constant, you know, working of a really great, rich, developed myth. I mean, you guys are getting what is it, Battlefront Two or something? Yeah. Oh my God, which is actually the fourth Battlefront game. But who's counting? Who's um, counting? You guys get so much stuff that I didn't have. Yeah, and you can't even ah. play these games because you're like. I'm an artist, they can't hurt my wrist. I'll be over here having a bunch of fun. Um, somehow, all the artists of my generation have figured out how to play video games and draw at the same time. Hey, I, I'm just saying. I really like watching the trailer for this new game. <laughs> I've watched it a bunch. No, no, it's so good. Um, so but, good. It's so, so good, good, my man. It's so good. So okay, good. so that, let's explain that reference. Here's the other thing. We've been, I've been talking with a lot of people about the podcast, and we have a lexicon that we understand that nobody else understands. So <laughs> I think as we go, we should try and define as much of the stuff that we can. So when we say, so good, my man, so good, that's a direct reference to an SNL skit from about three, four years ago where Justin Timberlake did an impression of Jimmy Fallon in front of Jimmy Fallon. And his impression of Jimmy Fallon is, somebody's playing games, man. So good, my man. So good. Nothing better. So good. And so Jimmy <laughs> Fallon, we love that skit because Jimmy Fallon, who's acting alongside Justin Timberlake, who's doing an impression of Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon can't hold it together. Yeah. If you've ever so. seen an SNL episode when Jimmy Fallon was a cast member, he breaks like every episode. He yeah. starts laughing at the script or his co-stars constantly. And so Justin Timberlake just targets him yeah, he just repeatedly. Hammers, hammers and so he's yeah. just doubled over, wheezing on the floor. 
because uh, Justin Timberlake is just breaking it. Not unlike you and I talking to each other. Yes, exactly. Just targeted nonsense. Um, <laughs> I mean, so at some point, I think we do need to have like a web page or put it on our Facebook page. Maybe some of this lexicon, or you know, we, we could start posting videos of some of the references. I think that would be helpful. Well, the thing is. Once we reach a certain threshold of popularity and some of our fans make a wikia about us, like what happened with the two best friends, there's a two best friends play glossary of how they speak to each other. Really? It's like, it's, it's, it's hundreds of entries long. Really? Yeah. Wow, so like, cool. It's really cool. I love reading through it because it reminds me of all these wonderful inside jokes they've let me in on. So like, that's hopefully what we can get up to with you guys. So... But no expectations. None of you guys have to create keep that Keep sharing the tapes. Keep, keep circulating the tapes. Keep that's circulating the, the tapes. That's the reference to Mystery Science Theater 3000. Are we going to annotate everything now? No, no. I just thought for this one, maybe we let them peek behind the curtain okay. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, this is the peek behind the curtain. Yeah. You know, my attitude is the same that I brought to the storytelling in my comics, which is catch up. Yeah, if they get the reference, great. If they don't, catch up. You Go know, find like, it. Yeah, so we were talking earlier, actually, about... Speaking of Mystery Science Theater 3000, the voices in Jimmy's head are getting angrier. <laughs> so, my, we've done a podcast of Mystery Science Theater 3000, but we didn't, in that entire episode, talk about the shorts, the brilliant short films, the oh educational God, stuff that they make fun of, like Mr. B Natural. Like, they're making fun of, like, shop class, why it's essential to you as an American, you know? All these terrible, like, mid-50s, early-60s educational films. You know, my films. favorite one is the one about, what is it, should you get married? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> marriage. Are you ready? Like, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's great because our cultural values have almost completely shifted 180. Like, he's yeah. just, like, yeah. they're they're trying to advocate for, like, you know, falling in love and getting married early and setting up a responsible life for yourself. Meanwhile, the woman who stays single until she's like in her mid twenties is considered a loose woman and she'll never find happiness. And it's like, or maybe she's just actually a sane person who's taking her time. Like it's, <laughs> I love, my favorite short is Jimmy at the fair. Jimmy at, at the, the fair. fair. Because basically they portray this little child, Jimmy, who's lost at the world's fair as kind of this weird, drug-addled, PTSD, poor, suffering little child who gets to, like, sit on the lap of Joe Lewis. Like, it's just insanity. Like, well, it's a commercial for the World's Fair. It's a commercial for the World's Fair, and they turn it into this horrible heckling of this small child. <laughs> there's almost nothing I enjoy more than picking on small children. I mean, really. <laughs> it's just awesome. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so that's... So we do. Jimmy's have, parents have lost him, and Jimmy's parents breathe a deep sigh of relief. Like <laughs> this is also an episode where Crow really gets to shine, yeah, and I love, love Crow. love Crow. I love Crow so much. Oh, He's probably closest to me spiritually. Um, I just love. <laughs> I mean, every line that comes out of Crow's mouth, especially his big tribute to Roadhouse, where he just goes all out for that. Where he writes the Roadhouse Christmas Carol. And, <laughs> The fact that they're afraid is that he wants to decide who lives and who dies. <laughs> <laughs> like, who can't relate to that? <laughs> My father's drifting all across the lanes now. <laughs> Just change lanes without using his turn signal. I did not. I'm <laughs> doing they can hear if you use a turn signal or not. They didn't hear no click, clicking. Click, 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 click. <laughs> well, that's really click, convincing. Click. I'll edit that back in. <laughs> All right, so we're going through upstate New York. And what a 
it's lovely beautiful. place it is. It's beautiful. Oh, we just went through the Seneca Nation. Yep. Uh, did not stop at the casino. Did stop for gas. Yep. Uh, Man, who here needs to read Scout? Everyone listening to this podcast. Oh, that's a good one. We don't talk enough about comics. No, we don't. Which, which is, is weird because you make comics. Because I make comics. <laughs> and it's also... <laughs> It's the source material for most of the movies and, and other stuff that we talk about. So Scout, this is for the grown-ups now. This is this is actually pretty serious because if you like a show like Breaking Bad or The Sopranos, then you should read Scout. Now yeah, it's, it's done, so you can buy it uh, in a in a Barnes and Noble or on Amazon in what are called trade paperbacks, where they bind like six or eight episodes together. And it's a beautiful epic saga of life on the reservation today, right? The way it would feel today. So yeah. it's it's a crime drama, but it is as good as some of those premium shows that people talk about at work all the time. It just happens to be in an art form that most Americans don't follow. So yeah. Scalped. Scalped is really, really, really good. It's written by Jason Aaron, one of my favorites. Uh, beautiful, beautiful to look at. It is the, the art style, I'm forgetting the artist's name. Well, it's also pretty amazing because over that whole run, it's the same artist. Yeah. Right? Usually a comic will drop their original creative team. They just can't sustain it. But that one, it's the same team all the way through. So I love that stuff. You know, like a TV show, you can really tell when, like, the, the original creator steps away. Yeah. Right? Like, they might get two or three seasons, and then you can tell when the show kind of settles into just more of a manufactured factory feel, like yeah. the original passion is gone. I can tell that. And I can certainly tell it in comics. And Scalped is intense all the way through. Yeah, Scalped never lets up. You know, it's 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 a comparable run. The last decade of comics, or almost two decades at this point, have had a really great run of creators and artists sticking together, whether it was in the indie scene or in Marvel or DC. Um, Brian Michael Bendis had a great run on Daredevil with Alex Believe, yes. which is yes. unbelievable. If yes. you like the Daredevil Netflix show, which according to Netflix's rating system, you guys really like the uh, Marvel, the yep. Netflix Daredevil show, you guys really owe it to yourselves to go and read Brian Michael Bendis's Daredevil comics because that stuff is incredible. And he's involved in the Marvel movies, right? Yeah, he's like the he's the guy who they call up and say, "Hey." Will this change make the fanboys mad or happy? <laughs> and right. Brian Brian has described his job in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as, I get to see the movies much earlier than you do. And that's it. <laughs> that's all Brian and we Brian, love Michael, Brian, we love Michael, Brian Bendis. Michael Bendis. And so it's interesting to me that you, now at 25, you know, there's a whole generation now behind you that's grown up with Marvel movies but doesn't read the comics. That's a really interesting problem to have. Well, it's Marvel's problem. It's, it's their, Marvel's problem. It's their fault. They got to write better comics. I, but because I care about the art form and still practice it myself, I still want people to go back to the source material. So yes, if you like the Defenders, which just came out on Netflix, if you like the Daredevil on Netflix, go read Brian Michael Bendis, his run on Daredevil. Yeah, but all the stuff we can recommend to people, unfortunately, is like it's not keeping in step with the movies. Like, look, I love Chris Evans as Captain America. I think he's great. I could watch him paint a wall in that costume. But you go into the Captain America comics right now, Captain America's a Nazi, dude. They just did Secret Empire where, like, Captain America turns out he was brainwashed by Hydra. It turns out to be a Nazi. And, 
Like I'm not reading any of that crap. I'm not crap. reading that crap. That's <laughs> awful. So I'm not reading that. Well, so that's why we're recommending the really good runs. Yeah, but I'm saying the really good ones were like 10 years ago. Oh, man, are we old, eh? Oh, yeah, eh? Oh, oh really no. Kind of, oh, no. Now it's just turning into Bob and Doug, eh? No, <laughs> hold on. It always turns into we Bob and Doug, We just passed eh? a third. Okay, so a thing about this road trip <laughs> is as we've been driving, we keep seeing these... Signs of the apocalypse. Signs of the apocalypse. These tractor trailers... On, like, the side of the road, the first one looked like a Wendigo had eaten its way out of it. Like, it just looked like something had broken out from the inside of it. Yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, we stop at a rest stop because we, you know, got to take care of the Constitutional. And there's a tractor trailer that looks like it was burned. smelted halfway through. Yeah. Like, it's burned, it's melted, it's blackened, and it's yeah. just sitting there like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and we just passed... In the medium between the lanes that are going east and going west, there's another tractor trailer that just had like a, a chunk bitten out of it. Yeah, so, so this feels really like the beginning of those Godzilla movies where you're <laughs> seeing signs of Godzilla, but it's like, oh, we're not going to show you Godzilla yet, but you all know what it is. Isn't that cool? Isn't that clever? And you're like, no, it's not clever. Just show me Godzilla. <laughs> That's how I always feel. So maybe we'll see Godzilla by the end of this podcast. Oh, God. Well, we are in New York. Maybe we'll see Gino. Ah, don't say that. <laughs> Yo, okay, so something that fascinates me. It was something that fascinates me about the Godzilla comic books specifically is that basically since the 70s, everyone has agreed that Godzilla's iconic roar is written as a comic book sound effect. Screak! Yeah. Who decided that? Oh. Who decided that Godzilla's roar, which is really iconic and I can't do it? Like, who decided it was Skrionk? Like, I don't necessarily disagree. Yeah. But it also doesn't seem like... That seems like its own iconic sound, separate from the thing that he does. I don't know. Well, you know... These are literally topics that have kept me awake at night, folks. (laughs) Because that's just a micro-discussion of what we're doing on the Review Podcast, right? The whole idea of a canon, a cultural conversation, is that certain things like that get decided. That... They are broadly agreed upon. So, in comics, in a micro way, somebody you know said that in the late '70s Godzilla comics, and the other artists broadly agreed. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to. Screonk, that yeah, works. Screonk, yeah, sure. So there you go. Screonk is in the Godzilla canon. Yeah. All right. So we've seen uh, Signs of the Apocalypse. What were we talking about? Something else in there. Uh, what were we talking about before the? Can we talk about my favorite Batman villain? Sure, it's Mis- your birthday. You Mr. Can nice. About- can we talk about Mr. Nice? Mr. Nice is your favorite Batman. No, he's not, but he's probably the most fun. I like him. I probably like him the most. Out of all the ones I'd like to hang out with him the most. Why? Well, because Mr. Okay, so nice. for those of you who don't know who Mr. Nice is, this Nobody is. Nobody knows who Mr. Okay, nice is. Okay, this is like the most obscure reference ever. Okay. <laughs> so in the mid-90s, there was the really popular Batman the Animated Series. That's not an obscure reference. That has mainstream penetration. People yeah. know. Batman the Animated Series, they know it was what gave us animation for, you know, basically the next 20 years just shaped that sucker. It's what gave us uh, Mark Hamill as the Joker. That's really good, actually. I've never heard you do that. That's really creepy. If we could not do that again, that'd be great. (laughs) Um, So, but Mr. So they had a spinoff comic because, you know, you could make money that way. It was called Batman Adventures. And there's like a segment of the comic book reading population that really believes that for like 10 years, Batman Adventures were the best Batman stories being told in comics. Yes, I think that's true. 
Uh, I was I was in that group. Yeah, Dad bought like every issue. Yeah. And in that, they introduce a couple new villains to Batman as a whole, not just to the Batman animated universe, but to Batman as a whole. Okay. And I, I'm with you. I know all of this stuff. I'm, I'm telling them. I'm glad you're telling them, but you have to tell us what. I mean, I know. So Mr. Nice where is Mr. based. Nice came from, but Mr. why is he the best? I like. Uh, he's not the. I just. He's maybe my favorite. Yeah. There's a difference between the best and my favorite. Yeah, I think yeah, my favorite true. is Mr. Nice because, first off, he is a loving, truly loving tribute to famed comic book editor Archie Goodwin. Um, he is, oh, I forgot about that. He's yeah. drawn like Archie. You're right. He's yeah. written like Archie. Yeah, he, nice. He's supposed to be Archie Goodwin. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's Mr. Nice. That's who Archie Goodwin was. Archie Goodwin was this yeah. famous comic book editor, yeah. worked for Marvel, DC, all the guys. He and basically runs comics in the 70s. Yes, he runs comics in the 70s. He, include, he also writes a lot of stuff. He yeah. writes yeah. a lot of those Star Wars comic books. Yes, that's right. In the, like, the late 70s, early 80s. Did he come up with a rabbit? He might have come up with Jack's Jack Rabbit. Oh. That's a whole other podcast. Jeez, boy! <laughs> if you guys want to see the prototype for Jar Jar Binks, it's a it's a green rabbit named Jack's Jack's Rabbit <laughs> from like the 1978 Marvel Star Wars comics. Yeah. And he always goes like, "I ain't no Jack Rabbit," and he like kicks people. It sucks. It's, it's awful. Terrible. It's yeah. the worst. So I love Archie, but that sucks. But I love Mr. Nice because. He's just he's just such a funny little contradiction. He he like he's implied to be incredibly physically strong. He's he's superhuman in his endurance. He's he's this physical powerhouse. But he but looks he like a nerd. Yeah, he and he doesn't want to hurt anybody. You know, he ties up the cops. He's like at one point he's like he's talking with he's rob, robbing an armored car, and you know one of the cops is crying and he goes, "Oh, why are you crying?" He's like. I'm going to get fired because you successfully owned the robbed car. He's like, oh, man, I didn't think of that. And so he gives them a huge share of his own loot. <laughs> like, I just love that it's so weird and wacky. And there's one day where Mastermind, who's, who's you know, basically the guy behind this little criminal gang, orders him to not be nice for one night. He makes a promise to not be nice for one night. Yeah. And Mr. Nice does it. He blows through a whole platoon of soldiers, and he's going to steal the nuclear codes. But Batman knows that Mr. Nice is coming, and Batman knows he can't outfight Mr. Nice. Mr. Nice is tougher than Batman. Yeah. So what Batman does is in, he puts in front of the nuclear codes a little puppy dog. No! And Mr. Nice can't get the puppy dog away from the nuclear codes, so he just turns himself in. He can't bring himself... <laughs> To hurt the little puppy. That's great storytelling. That's great storytelling, and I love that. My right. favorite Batman film. Well, who's your favorite, actually? Let's start with that. Most rich. Like, if you got a call from DC tomorrow, they're like, hey, we really like Chester Comics. We want you to do a Batman arc, but you get one villain. It'd you can't get. Okay. Two-Face. Yeah, yeah, Two Face. The problem is, anybody that. I mean, Mr. Nice is a great thing to talk about because he's obscure and you have reasons. But for me, I've grown up with Batman, and he's now such a part of the popular culture that anybody that I would say, you just say, oh, that's such a mainstream choice. I mean, yeah, because he has so many great villains. Yeah. <laughs> I can't come up with something that would be hipstery and cool that people haven't heard yeah, of. Yeah, you can't make Polka Dot Man a legitimate threat no, to Batman. No, no, I think uh, for that... You know, the, the two sides of the human psyche, uh, it's a great idea. He's got the coin. Um, you know, he came from Law and Order, yep. right, before the accident. So there's just so much you can do to play around with Well, it's, it's even better than that because 
not only did he come from Law and Order, but he was Bruce's friend. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. That connection runs deep, and I love those stories where it's almost implied that I think Two-Face knows, he might know, who Batman is. Yeah. But there's some vestige, the same vestige of Harvey Dent that understands that this is Bruce Wayne in a mask is the same vestige of Harvey Dent that would never let Two-Face tell any of the other villains yeah, who that's right. Batman is. That's right. And I think that's really cool. I love that. I love his... Um, you know, we were just talking about how the best Batman comics of the 90s were the Batman adventure stuff, but, yeah. you know, Greg Rucka has a great run on Batman where he basically... He makes Two-Face really nuanced and really tough to, to watch and scary to watch because he's not the Joker. Bad Batman writers turn all of other all of Batman's villains yes. into the Joker. That's right. They turn Two-Face into the Joker, they turn yes. the Riddler into the Joker, Yes. but Two-Face is not the Joker. No. He's much more interesting no. in my mind. Yes, I agree. There's a great a comic where that Greg Greco wrote where Two-Face puts basically um, Commissioner Gordon on trial for collaborating with, you know, uh, basically criminals, vigilantes. Yeah. And it's it's just a one-man trial, and, you know, Two-Face is just racking up this whole case, and it's, I mean, it's, it's not even a show trial. It's not even a trial. It's, it's just so Two-Face can feel good about shooting Commissioner Gordon in the head with a little bit of theatricality. But Gordon brilliantly... I'm sorry, it's uh, Rene Montoya, one of, the, one of the cops who comes to try and rescue Gordon who she says she calls Harvey Dent to the stand. <laughs> and so Harvey, there's a great split panel. It's just one page. One half is Harvey's face and the other half is Two-Face where he's questioning Two-Face. He's deconstructing Two-Face's entire case against Commissioner Gordon because he's a much better lawyer. Yeah. And he pronounces him innocent because there's a flimsy case and... Harvey That's Dent awesome. loves justice, and it's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. It's so good. Yeah, and Joker would never do that. No, Joker has no interest in fairness. And how are we doing on time? Let's see here. We have been talking for 22 minutes American. Right. So we got uh, about eight more minutes, uh, or ten if you do metric. Yeah, and if you go by the metric system, eight. double it and add, <laughs> add 30, eh? <laughs> so, speaking of getting old... Oh, God. Uh, I was reminiscing earlier this morning about another great road trip we took when I drove you out to your sophomore year of college. Yeah, yeah. From Williamsburg, Virginia to Grinnell, Iowa. Do you really think the statute of limitations is passed on this story? If you're going to tell the one that I think you're going to tell. I, I think it was just like a few years ago. It was <laughs> 2012. Yeah, 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 yeah. 2012. No, no, okay, fair enough. I'm just joking, folks. We didn't. There's nothing. We didn't actually go to a punk concert and get contact high. We did not. We did not. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> That's a reference to the room, uh, which I've actually not seen all the way through. But it's a famous, famous, awful, deliberately awful movie. So, yeah. and they're making a movie adaptation of the making of the room. With what? James Franco. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, you know, I used to follow Franco on Instagram, but I'm not even sure he's on there anymore. He's so weird. He's really gone way out there. Look, he, folks, this is what happens when you weigh 80 pounds at, like, 35. You just can't <laughs> do this to yourself anymore. That, that guy. 
I, I think we're gonna all look back fondly on when he was in the Spider-Man. Yeah, movies. Spider-Man, Spider. Man, we gotta do a podcast. <laughs> Excuse me, we gotta do a <laughs> we gotta do a podcast on the original Spider-Man movies because holy we're moly, we're gonna just do a podcast about J. Jonah Jameson. Parker, Parker, get in here. <laughs> Where are my photos of Spider-Man? <laughs> you want a staff job and you want a staff job. Does anyone really care about what I want? I do. I do. Shut up. Get out. <laughs> Sir, we've got a page six problem. It's about to be a page one problem. <laughs> we love, we love that Jay Mr. Jonah. Jameson, your wife is on the line. She says she lost her checkbook. Thanks for the good news. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a monster. And you know what? When I was reading the comics of Spider-Man, you know, like in the 70s, he was... <sighs> kind of a two-dimensional character. I mean, even within a two-dimensional art form, J. Jonah, you know, you read him and you're like, look, he's got the ridiculous mustache and the stupid haircut. And am I supposed to really <coughs> suspend my disbelief to think that, like, he's interacting with other people that I think of as more real? I mean, it just didn't... It never sold me in the comics. But you know what? That portrayal in the original... By J.K. Simmons. We should say who it was. It was J.K. Simmons. By Simmons. Go Bucks. He's yeah. a good Ohio Buckeye. He sells it. He absolutely makes yeah. that character you, real. You believe that he can exist in that world. Yeah, it's awesome. Guy named Otto Octavius gets eight arms. Ha <laughs> What are the odds? <laughs> what are we going to call this guy? Uh, Doctor Strange. That's good. But it's taken. I, I, he's, he's just, he's so good. Let's Ma call him Dr. Octopus. Uh, nah, it's crap. Actually, I got it. Dr. Octopus. But Doc I, Ock. But it's I, genius, right? <laughs> yeah, I know what you think. Get out. <laughs> like, he's so good. Uh, so my father and I, for a long time, have propagated the idea that he should just show up. We've done, we've had two Spider-Man reboots in the past ten years. Ugh. Which is sickening and wrong. Even though I did kind of like the most recent one, Homecoming. But I have always enjoyed the idea that even though they carry over none of the same cast, it's not even the same studio at this point, it's all different people behind the camera, the one constant of the Spider-Man universe should be J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. Yes. Listen, they did it with Bond, okay? They had Dame Judi Dench, right? She was in two different Bond arcs. Yeah. Right? So if they can hold her over from the Brosnan to the Craig Bonds, then we can hold over J.K. Simmons. Like, I just wanted Tom Holland, this nice 15-year-old British boy who they found to play Spider-Man. I want him to walk into the Daily Bugle and, like, he's walking in there for the first time, but J.K. Simmons as J. Joe Dutch just goes, Parker, get in here! Like, he already knows who he is somehow. And you don't comment on it, you don't, like, do a fun, like, fourth wall break. He just already knows who it is. Yeah. Parker, get in here. Where are my photos of Spider-Man? <laughs> I, I didn't know I was supposed to have photos of Spider-Man. Well, then go out and get some. Like, What am I paying you for? Go. You barely pay me at all. I know. That's the deal. Go. <laughs> you know. It would be so good. Parker, you're unfired. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel can do that impression and make me laugh immediately. <laughs> it doesn't matter what time of day or what the circumstance is. It's it's so good. It's incredible. We right. love that one. How are we doing? How are we doing on time here? Are we there are we got, yet? No, we got another three minutes. So are we there yet? Are we there yet? No. Are we there are yet? We there no. Yet? Are we there yet? No. Oh my God. Okay. So ice ice cube 
goes from f the police yeah. to making which we heard on our pod on our road trip. Too. Yeah, yeah. So he goes from that to making are we there yet? A road trip comedy with Ugh. two screeching kids. Like, Ugh. how more unstreet can you get? I mean, I know I'm just a Jewish white boy saying that, but you know, it's amazing how life uh, bends you to the things that last from generation to generation to generation. Like every parent is going to go through some similar feelings and experiences in any culture at any time on the historical timeline. Right? Some of that's going to be the same. I guess. It's just like... And then he has this weird arc where he's like, No, I'm hard again. And he's like yeah. promoting the NWA movie. And it's like, Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Weren't you wait, just wait, wait, in wait, the wait. barbershop? <laughs> like, like, no, 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 no. You don't get to do both. You don't get to do both. He had like this grainy black and white documentary film that's like 20 minutes long shot with him and Dre and Compton going to like a cookout. And I'm like, What? No, shut up! Where's your bodyguard, dude? I can see him in the background. You just put him in a t-shirt. Like, it's... <laughs> oh, my God. Whatever. Whatever. Well, the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories we tell others, sometimes they don't match up. I guess, man. Like, and Ice-T. Ice-T, who has literally robbed jewelry stores at gunpoint. And now he's sitting in the suburbs helping some kids sell lemonade. Yeah. No, oh, read the sign. It's lemonade. Like, <laughs> he's on NCIS. He is the police now. <laughs> I don't understand. Where have all the heroes gone? I guess. Crap. Where have all the hood heroes gone, I guess? The anti-heroes. Well, so that's an interesting question. Where have the anti-heroes gone? They're Chris Pratt now. Chris Pratt's he your anti-hero. An anti-hero. No, but he made a reference to Jackson Pollock that makes him an <sighs> anti-hero. All right, listen. No, the question is, who is doing that now? Who's doing the NWA thing now? Who are the 17 and 18 and 19-year-olds? Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick, okay. That was well. fast. <laughs> Glad we came to that consensus. I haven't followed him at all, so... Hey, man, the pimp butterfly is the truth. Um, look, dude, Joe Jackson listened to, to pimp a butterfly. What's your excuse now? I'm really old. <laughs> I'm really out of it. All I want to talk about is, is, is Escape from New York and Star Wars. <laughs> and Spider-Man. And Spider-Man. Lots of Spider-Man. <laughs> I do like Batman, too. Parker, shut up. Get out. <laughs> What's your superpower? I'm rich. Yeah. Dad loves that line from the new Justice League trailer. Because, man... They how, how, how did you F up? How did you so early we were having this conversation? Warner Brothers literally <laughs> like I have no idea the level of Christmas that's happening at Warner Brothers because God himself delivered unto them Ben Affleck, Academy Award winning Ben Affleck. As Batman. As Batman. And he's like, yeah, I want to write a script and direct a solo Batman movie and your I'll response, star in it. Your, your response, response to it? Three letters, one syllable. Yes. Give him the checkbook, write your name on the checks, <laughs> and let him cash them and make them a lot of money. And you were and saying he wanted to do a movie that was based on one of the most successful Batman video games. Yeah, Batman the uh, Batman uh, Arkham Asylum, which was a like just a smash success. Didn't they made like three of those. Or they made three of them, and they all sold like gangbusters. And he wanted to do a, a movie based on that, written and directed by him. 
you could get both the summer popcorn audience and make a genuine Oscar bid with that film. And yet they said no because why? Well, give us the... Well, first off, he's demoralized after the reception to Batman versus Superman. He really did not think it would turn out like it did. I Um, still liked it. You and I can can discuss that on a podcast yeah, later. Yeah, we should do a podcast. But like, whatever you think of Batman versus Superman, I think we can all agree Ben Affleck didn't deserve that. No, no, you know? he did like, a great job. He deserved much better. And apparently, the studio just basically started micromanaging his script, what he yes. wanted. He wanted to put a bunch of villains in there and cast a bunch of really big actors as the villains, and the price tag was going up and up and up, and they just said. Nah, we're going to get the guy who did the last three Planet of the Apes movies to do it instead. For cheaper. And like... And and it's just like you've killed Ben Affleck's joy for the thing. Now he's just going to finish out his contract with Justice League. And he's going to say, well... That sucks. That was my shot in this life to be Batman. Yeah, and they messed it up. They, they messed it up. They nickel and dimed him. Terrible. Your Warner Brothers... Find it, not in your hearts, because I know you won't find it there. Find it in your wallets <laughs> to believe the man. It's such an easy bet. You don't actually get a safer bet in modern Hollywood than Ben Affleck, Batman, based on the Arkham Asylum. <laughs> you can't. You can't get a more that's, guaranteed. That's you hitting seven on the slot machine. Wow. Just take the coins that fall out of it. Yes, you spent $20 on the slot machine, but you're getting more. I promise you. That's crazy. God, I don't know. Do we want to finish this on that note? I I mean, what other note do we finish on? Big disappointment. 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 Anyway, no, no. I hope you guys have really enjoyed this little peek behind the curtain. This is just us how we talk all the time. Like somebody the other day said, oh, man, I I love the podcast. How long does it take for you guys to come up with the script for it? And I'm like, (laughs) 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 <laughs> There's rarely times where I will laugh in another human being's face, like, based on what they've said to me, because I think I have a lot more tact than that. I've been in hospitality and customer service for, like, seven or eight or nine years at this point in my life. And so I'm pretty good at fighting those instincts, but, like, man, sometimes it's just like, oh, how long did it take you guys to write the script? Ha! <laughs> I'm sorry, wait, were you saying something? <laughs> like, and let us end with this eternal question. Don't you have someplace else to be stupid? Not until four. And that's the Review Podcast!